Welcome to episode 17 of the Scout Trailblazers podcast. And this time we have two guests and a third that will show up briefly towards the end. We're talking to Joseph A. Michael and Nicholas Tourist from the Misadventurers. So how are you doing, Joseph? Doing well. How are you doing, Wayne? Good. And how are you doing, Nick? Hey, all good. Very good, very good. So let's talk about the misadventurers. And first thing that's important to notice is that right now is the time to put your order in for the first issue of the misadventurers. You only have a few days left to put your order in with Diamond to do it. And of course, you can still order it through scoutcomics.com if that doesn't work for you. But you can do that right now and make sure you get that in so that you can get your order so they can hit your store in time. So, uh, misadventurers. Well, why don't we start off with you, Joseph, and and why don't you give us a brief description? Because you guys are both co-creators. Why don't you give us a description as to what the misadventurers is about? So, this is sort of our love letter to everything that we love in animation and cartoons. Nicholas comes, or I mean, I guess this is kind of how we kind of jumped on board together. I think we both have a a love for uh, Tartakovsky and McCracken, and then Joan and Vasquez. So Invader Zim is, is what Joan and Vasquez did, and then um, McCracken with Powerpuff Girls, and then Tartakovsky with Samurai Jack and Dexter's Lab. So we kind of you know took what we loved, the characters that we loved from all those three cartoons, and we kind of mashed them up into this journey that we call The Misadventures. And it's led by two characters, which uh, Nick can get into a little bit later, um, but we kind of repurposed an old project and breathed new life into it. And if you pick up the Ashkin, I think that there's a process page in there that kind of goes into more detail about where it started and where it is now. But we join two adventurers or misadventures um, on their zany tales and uh, misadventures. And it starts with a uh, wizard in training. His name's Jiminy. And he, uh, he doesn't really listen. He doesn't get along with the other kids at school. And he's banished from his uh, wizard academy. And then on the other side of things is a uh, Viking princess named Marius, and she doesn't get along well with the boys and, and listening to the rules of the Viking world, so she gets banished. So these two kind of find each other by happenstance uh, on the other side of the planet in a desert wasteland, and they have to get along together and journey back together to get home safe and sound. Okay, very good. Now, Nick, uh, what was your part in the process? Were you in, largely the visuals? Well, yeah, I, I I had a couple of characters that I thought were cool, so I drew them up, and I was like, hey, Joseph, do you think we can do something with these people? And uh, like a week later, he came out with an idea that blew my mind. So, yeah, that was, that was pretty much it. I just drew the whole thing. Okay, great, because you guys are listed as co-creators. So uh, did you have any input on the story, Nick, or, or were you basically the visuals guy? Well, yeah, when we um, we started doing everything, I mean, Joseph's uh, the, the main writer, like the script writer, but uh, we build the world and the, uh, you know, the, the characters and the, the things we like together. Like we got together on, on, on Skype once and, and, and um, he said like, okay, let's list everything we like and let's make something out of it. So, yeah, it's a love letter of, of stuff we like, you know. So that was pretty much my creative part when it comes to the the, uh, to the world itself. But visually, there's a lot of things that we developed by first looking at them. You know, he was like, "Hey, we need something to fill this part. Can we? Can you do some art so it can spark some some ideas?" 
So that's how we worked. You know, it was like a uh, team effort in like everything, and it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, likewise, when I was trying to draw something or to design something, I was like, "Hey, this isn't. Uh, I can get around this problem. Do you have any ideas?" And it was like, "Hey, maybe if you drew this and that, and it totally worked." So, yeah, that's kind of it. So, Nicholas, how did you guys meet each other? Um, Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Facebook is the way to. Uh, a lot of people meet each other on Facebook. Uh, you guys have probably had the same experience that a lot of creators do these days. You have never been in the same room together, is that right? Nope, not not yet. Not yet. Okay. Just <laughs> just online. Okay, that's good. now Joseph. Let's talk a little bit about the characters because there's a an interesting thing that I like about the characters. Normally in uh, stuff that's gone before. Usually, the the Viking is the male and the magician is the female. But you guys flip that and this, uh, which I find interesting. And of course, you've got the, a female Viking, which I like too. Of course, I like a good female lead. Which is, I like that. Did you guys do that intentionally, or was that just kind of organic? How did you develop the characters that way? So originally, Nick had some concept sketches, and I think a couple of issues maybe put together. Um, Nick can fill you in that a little bit later. And those are the characters we kind of repurposed. So Nick does a lot. He's got a love for D&D. So if you get on his page, he does all these awesome, like, little chibi characters and D&D characters for himself and friends and then also as commissions. So he's like a, an endless spout of awesome character design and, and character concepts and stuff. And these were two characters that, you know, he had taken a liking to. And he has other characters, by the way, that I'm like, Nick, can we bring them into the Misadventures world? Because I think they'd be amazing characters. But, yeah, she started out as kind of this Viking warrior. I think she was a little bit older, and we brought her age down a little bit to fit the story. And then Jimny started out as a wizard, and we kind of repurposed him into Jimny for the Misadventures. But what we did was, you know, anytime, I guess, you have a successful character, like, I don't know, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles... It's kind of like a mashup between two things that you love. Um, and we keep talking about this love letter. But with uh, Maria, she's like this strong, headstrong princess Viking that uh, she's tough and rough. And, you know, she she got her sharp edges. And we kind of modeled her off of Buttercup from Powerpuff Girls and mashed her up with some other characters that we love. And then Jiminy, we kind of modeled him off of Zim from Invader Zim and uh, Dexter from Dexter's Laboratory. So he's kind of zany. He's kind of, you know, he's got to be brought back down to uh, Earth sometimes. And he's very, like, grand in all of his presentations and stuff. And I guess we kind of set these two characters at odds because he is out of this world and, and she's more practical and, and she's more headstrong and, and he's kind of a, a wimp. But they play well off of each other. And I guess when you have that character dynamic and you set them off into this world, they kind of breathe life into the world itself. And like Nick said, it's, you know, we kind of melded our creative minds and our talents together um, because graphically I, I'm lost. <laughs> and, and when Nick brought that into the process and I was able to breathe, you know, life from the script and, and dialogue perspective and, and world building, I think it was just a, a, a well-made match for us. So, Nick, did you create Cape? Uh, no, that was totally uh, Joseph's idea. Okay. <laughs> so, Joseph, where did Cape come from? <laughs> It's interesting because, you know, you're inspired by, by things that you see and 
there was things that I was picking up in, in Nick's artwork. And, and every time I go back through these pages, I see something else. I'm like, oh, that's, you know, a bit from Scott Pilgrim or a bit from a, a manga or something like that. And, and the facial expressions. And it was, I don't know what Nick had done, but he had done something with the cape. And it almost gave it like an anthropomorphic feel. And I was like, wouldn't it be interesting if his best friend was kind of like this living and breathing cape going back to kind of like Spawn, you know, where he had kind of this, you know, cape that would ma manipulate or Doctor Strange and, you know, give it kind of this, this comedic aspect that they could play off of throughout. And he could always get consolation from his cape and then he could get billed out of tight situations sometimes from his cape, too, because, you know, they're attached at the neck, you know, so to speak. Um, but also best friends because you got a guy that he's kind of zany and out of this world. And I think we can all kind of relate to him being a little bit of a nerd or a geek, um, not always having tons and tons of friends. So who better to be your best friend than your very own Kate? Mm, very cool. So uh, I'm curious, Nick, as far as the art style of the book, it, it feels like it's got several uh, influences like anime and other things. You're a D&D &D guy, from what uh, Joseph is saying. What what influences uh, do you feel influenced your art on this comic? Well, I actually made it. I, I still have it. It's a huge Pinterest folder with a like an influence map. It's like like a uh, influence like I don't know atlas because it's it's really 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 large. I started gathering cool references to nail down a particular style. And when I was done, it was like way too long to to, <laughs> to work with. So I had to to uh, cut it down a bit. But yeah, I took everything I, I like in comics and animation, the things that really, that are most, uh, the most appealing, at least to me, you know, like some of Shang uh, Galloway's art and, uh, or Scotty Young. And uh, I don't, I don't pretend to have like a tenth of their artistic prowess, but at least I could study them a bit to get something I was comfortable with. And uh, I personally really like the uh, whole vibe of the story, so I think we did a good job. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. Nick. Are the characters, the visuals based on? Well, you meant you guys mentioned like Powerpuff Girls and things like that, but you did you have any influence on real people? I mean, by did you have was there a girl that you knew that you patterned the the Viking after, and a, a boy that you patterned the, the the magician after, or are they conflagrations of, of fictional characters? They are actually based loosely based on uh, actual D and D characters I had on a table. Because, yeah, yeah, because when I approached uh, Joseph, my um, uh, the sketches I have were part of, the, uh, of, a, of a web comic I was planning doing. It never took off. I only like uploaded a couple of pages. Some people saw it. That, that, that was it. You know, I, I had like like 30 pages, but I never really did anything with them. So, so that's why I was like, hey, and he uh, did his magic and changed uh, I changed the story I, was, I, I really didn't like, which was my webcomic. Mm -hmm. um, but he kept the two main characters. Actually, no. Actually, Marius was... A, was No, wait. Uh, Marius was like an adult. And he was like, ah, this would look weird. Let, let's make them both kids. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of it. Uh, the only thing was Marius didn't have horns uh, on her helmet. 
and um, he was like, yeah, maybe add, a, add some horns, and I added two little horns, and he was like, no, larger. And I was like, really? Yeah, larger. And, and, and then I kept making them larger, and I was like, dude, this is heavier than her, than her head. And it was like, larger. And uh, yeah, it looks amazing. Uh, I think it looks, the hugely exaggerated horns look, look great now in retrospect. But yeah. Well, they must be hollowed out or something. It's the only thing I can figure out. Because <laughs> otherwise, her head be she'd be dragging her head along the ground. Because that's one of the great things about it. The funny things about it is those horns are so huge on her yeah. head. You know, the, the only thing I could figure was that they're hollowed out. That's that's all I could ever get figured. Hey, anything goes in cartoons, right? That's right. That's yeah. right. Can you, she, she might just have a strong. She has a strong neck. That's what the. That's <laughs> she does with that. So I well. Talk about then, well, Nick, while I'm talking with you, let's talk about the style of clothes that they wear and stuff. Uh, are these like D&D-inspired clothes? I mean, you know, uh, the magician guy's got a tie. Uh, like, and then she's got, of course, like a, a skull, like a Punisher-type skull on her, on her shirt, which is black. Uh, where did the, their sets of clothes come from? Well, I'm an old-school D&D player. Not super old-school, but I started in the 90s. Uh, there was an A before the, uh, the acronym when I started. Uh, but uh, I really like this newer players aesthetic where, where they mix up some modern stuff, you know, like maybe they give their bar, I don't know, sneakers and stuff like that. And it looks really cool. It doesn't look out of place. It's it's magic. It's fantasy and everything, anything goes. But uh, honestly, I was just going for what looked best visually while not breaking character. Mm-hmm. And uh, her, he's, he's like... His chest looked looked weird. I, I couldn't get, you know, his whole thing to look uh, like he didn't look dorky enough. So I added a tie and I was like, hey, it's a school. I mean, they, they could be wearing a tie. And suddenly it looked like 50% darkier. And I was like, yes, that's it. <laughs> so that's cool. So your creativity brought all this to bear. Is what happened. It was a creative thing. Now, one thing I got to ask you about Joseph is the, and I'm as a writer, I, I'm sure this must be a lot of fun to put the the pop culture references in there. Yeah, there's several. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's a Scooby Doo reference. There is, oh gosh, I, as I'm glancing through the pages, I'm trying to find a couple of others. But there there are a lot of pop culture references in there, which I found a lot of fun. Talk about that and putting those in there because some kids, I think, would get a huge kick out of that. And I think that's one way to make it uh, kid accessible is to do those kinds of things. Uh, was that intentional or does it just kind of happen naturally when you guys are writing it? Why the pop culture references? So I think that um, the more we look out into, I don't know, we both kind of come from, you know, the 80s and the 90s and kind of everything that kind of grew up around the 80s and 90s. So you know, for me, Scooby-Doo was a big thing and, and Thundercats and uh, He-Man and, and all these other things. So when I look at, you know, my friend's kids or, you know, the newer generation, the ones are kind of getting into the things that I loved as a kid, like retro video games and stuff like that. They're being introduced to them by their parents because their parents grew up with these things in the 80s and the 90s. They loved them. And the only way to get the, the newer generation <laughs> to them is put a Nintendo controller in your kid's hands and say, hey, this is what I used to play when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, just to, like reach back to that time, uh, kind of pull those maybe 80s and 90s cartoons back into 
modern culture and then the kid reason maybe they connect with it because they know what scooby-doo is or they know what thundercats is and if they don't you know maybe it inspires them to go back and be like okay what was the thundercats oh cool it's the 80s or 90s cartoon that you know my parents or my dad or my mom loved and then maybe they find some value in that so yeah it was just a way for us to kind of bring back around stuff that we loved as kids uh reintroduce it for a whole new generation mm-hmm which is a good thing because I think kids today, it, it brings them into the world uh, that you're creating. And, of course, one thing I love is the, the world building that you guys are doing. You're generating this whole world where magicians and Vikings live in the same time period, basically, which is a lot of fun. Um, and, and, Joseph, maybe I'll ask you about that. Is Do you have like an, an era in history, in human history, that you kind of figure this takes place in? I don't know. It's like a blending of worlds, right, like you said. Um, you know, when did magicians and, and Vikings really get along? And, you know, but tapping the, the cartoon aspect of it, it, you know, kind of all is fair, you know, in cartoons. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, going back to this genre mashup and, and maybe putting something out there that, you know, if we lived in a Harry Potter world, you know, but then we also introduced, uh, you know, pirates or Vikings, you know, what kind of spin or twist would that put on the world and, and how would it change the, the laws and the rules with which the characters operated in the world. Um, so we kind of came from it from that perspective, doing a blend, you know, if we could meld two, you know, centuries together um, and what would be the output. So I think that's kind of where Nick's magic came in is he very clearly sees <laughs> the craziness that I spit out, I guess, which is weird because he does such a good job interpreting it visually. And then, when I get those pages back, you know, it's like now I'm inspired to for a cover or, you know, to rewrite some of the dialogue or to kind of change the path or the arc that our, our characters take. And I can't speak for all creators. I don't know. Maybe, Wayne, you can kind of comment on that yourself. But when you start seeing some of the pages come back, it kind of inspires you to go a different route or to kind of enhance or um, evolve the characters even more. Yeah, I I know a lot of people who like like when Nick turns a, a page of art over to you, you get an inspiration from that. So you might go a different direction than you might not have uh, originally planned. Nick, I had a question for you about the the use of like words to help describe things. And I don't know, maybe this is uh, your thing, Joseph. Is for example, when Cape is pointing one where there's a there's a, a the, there's a word in the in the sky saying points. And then when he's scouting, the word scouting is there, just to make sure we get that. Was that your thing? Was that Joseph's thing? How did you come up with that? That's totally Dave, I think, right? <laughs> oh, the, the, the letterer. So Mike Schneider is, is our editor on or our developmental editor on this. And I work with Mike a lot on several different projects. And when he got the pages, he's looking at them and he's like, Joe, he's like, I really think that, you know, what, what feeling are you going for? And I was like, something a little bit zany. So he's like, okay, so like slapstick from Marvel Comics in the 90s? I was like, sure. He's like, in some of the original Deadpool? I was like, okay, sure. He's like, what if we try some non-onomatopoeia? And uh, I was like, okay, what's that? So, you know, it's these, you know, these visual cues or these clues that is basically a sound effect, but it's saying exactly what, uh, whatever's going on in that panel. And I thought it kind of added to this uh, lighthearted feel f- for the story and it also was funny because Dave, which is co-letter on the book, when he originally did our pitch packet, he included a couple of these before I even talked to Mike, our developmental editor, about it. 
And I don't think Mike ever saw those. So we had kind of two people referencing and recommending the same thing. So I guess if two people were recommending it, it was something I guess we were going to, you know, keep for the final product. So, well, it's pretty cool because what it does is it allows younger readers who may not understand what's happening in the picture, you know, to be able to, when you, you have a word, then they go, ah, that's what's going on there. So that's pretty good. Like one time when the, the eagle is staring, or the griffin is staring, <laughs> they have a, the word stare is there as looking in her eyes and stuff like that. That's a nice way to make sure everybody's on the same page as you're going along. So I think that's really well done. That's a great thing. So let's talk about other things. Cause I know, Joseph, you have a lot of history in comics, and you've done like Pathway before. Are there other books? And why don't you talk a little bit about Pathway and your other comics that you've done? So I'd started eight years ago with a indie pub title called Only Human, and it was a story about a kid who's kind of facing bullying, um, drearing off into this zombie-slash-apocalyptic world and uh, trying to become essentially the hero that saves humanity from the zombie apocalypse, only being like a 12-year-old kid. So that's kind of where my comic book journey began, although I started reading comics like 30-some years ago. Hmm. And... Uh, you know, I think everyone goes through their phases, lost touch with comics through the college years, and then saw another local Comic-Con pop up. I was like, hey, it'd be fun to get into comics and actually uh, write my own. <laughs> so I don't know if that's where every writer artist journey begins when they kind of get back into comics at an adult age. But I uh, ran to a local artist at a local uh, Comic-Con, the first one I've been to in eight or nine years, and kind of talked about bringing a script to life and what it would take and how much time and how much money stuff like that. So we got together, kicked that off, and then I guess it was just what project is next. End up uh, doing another zombie book called Zorn the Last Zombie. That was also independently published. And then we got a book picked up with AC Comics, which is a small independent publisher, and then an uh, anthology picked up by Top Cow um, last October called the Stairway Anthology. So that's more science fiction. But uh, now here we are with my favorite project <laughs> so far, uh, the Misadventures, um, published through Scout and Scoot. And then I guess we'll see where this journey takes us from now. Very good. Now, Nick, now I know less about your stuff. Uh, what comics have you been uh, working on in the past? Uh, this is the first comic I co- co-create. But I've done Franklin and Ghost with, uh, with Garrett Gunn, which is an extremely violent adult, uh, adult <laughs> comic. <laughs> uh, like, I've always been a children's illustrator, but he was like, no, yeah, yeah, no, I want you. And it was really weird because I actually enjoyed doing something really violent. And, uh, oh, also another really violent <laughs> comic. Why do adult comic makers call me, you know? Uh, <laughs> called Pixie Dust with uh, Russell Nahody. Uh That's the biggest two ones I've done in the past. But I've done, you know, freelance artists. I've done a crap ton of comics. <laughs> Great. Very good. Very good. Now, before I let you guys go, I, we have a quick aside with a giveaway that's going to be included. So let's go to Richard Rivera, the associate publisher of Scoot. Hi, Wayne. Really happy to be here on Trailblazers. Now, everybody's heard about Misadventurers, and it's an awesome series. Joseph and Nick did an incredible job, and I just think it's going to be so much fun, and everybody's going to just enjoy buying this series, and we're going to celebrate that by making some three-inch die-cut stickers, one of Marius and one of Jiminy. And the first 10 people that request these sets of stickers will receive... Hmm, okay. okay, here we go again. 
a half hour on this one now. Okay, here we go. Hi, Wayne. Really happy to be here on Trailblazers. And let me tell you, everyone's now heard about Misadventurers, and it is an amazing series. Joseph and Vic did an incredible job. To celebrate, we've made some three-inch die-cut stickers, one of Marius and one of Jiminy. And the first 10 people that request a set of these stickers, we'll get them. We'll mail them right to you. So once again, thanks for the great job, Wayne. And I look forward to hearing from some people and sending out some stickers. All right. We're looking forward to those getting into people's hands. And I want to thank you guys for talking with me. Again, we want to point out that you can order the first issue of Misadventures. There's a diamond order code of MAR, of course, in the month of March, 211553. So if you let your store know, know that, they can order that specifically. It makes it a little easier on them. So, Joseph and Nick, you know, much success on this book. And I hope that really good things come of it. I, I'd love to see this be a cartoon someday. I think that would be a great thing. Thank you, Wayne, for having us. And yeah, that definitely, I guess when we kind of came up with the concept, we'd like to get there with Nick's style. I think it kind of lends itself pretty, pretty well towards a cartoon. Yeah, absolutely. That's the idea. <laughs> 